From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We are back and digging deeper in with Susan Waftel of Squash Blossom Farm in Orinoco, Minnesota, on the startup of their pizza farm and on-farm kitchen installation. Hear about the value-added component of adding a pizza night to the business mix and an insider's scoop on building a commercial kitchen on-farm and how persistence can be the key ingredient in getting things going. Susan and her husband, Roger Nelson, run Squash Blossom Farm, a 10-acre historic 1910 farmstead where their vision is to combine local food, local art, and local music. Susan runs a diversified operation, running a vegetable CSA, baking for wholesale and farmer's markets in their on-farm kitchen, and running a pizza night featuring pizzas baked in their wood-fired oven. We're back at Squash Blossom Farm with Susan Waftel. Thank you for sharing your story, and thank you for opening up your farm literally for people to come in various ways. And one main way that I know has been a big piece of the, the I was going to say pizza pie, that's just too bad. But uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the business pie is the pizza nights, which I had very well-timed opportunity, very self-timed opportunity to come and experience on Sunday night. And it's magic with your setting and obviously the very good pizza. But Tell us, tell us sort of how that idea started, and then I'd love to hear, too, uh, a little bit more on the specifics, because these are not endeavors to take lightly. I mean, it was an investment, right, mm-hmm. but, and one that is still ongoing. But when did you first encounter pizza farms? When we were still living in town. Uh, we, Here in Rochester. In Rochester, yeah. yep. We lived in the urban core of the, of the city in an old neighborhood, and near the farmer's market, we would frequently go two pizza farms over in Wisconsin. So it was a long drive. It would be an hour and a half drive to get to the pizza farm. And we should probably put into context because people might be listening still. The pizza farms are such an ingrained culture in Minnesota and Wisconsin. But these are farms that grow typically vegetables or other Mm -hmm. things that serve pizza one night a week, usually. Once a month. Once a month or intermittently. It's Mm -hmm. not a restaurant. And uh, it brings people together, at least from my lens, through pizza. It builds community. It, it brings people out to experience the farm, but has now turned into, I would call it almost, I mean, a tourism and a right. foodie phenomenon of people. And for the farm, it's kind of a value-added opportunity to make a little money and get yeah. some, some marketing, probably, for their... So you first experienced pizza farms... In, in the target audience, right? Exactly. I mean, you were urban coming out. And, and, and we're, our, my whole family is very... Really, we really like to cook things from scratch, and we've been bread makers forever, and pizza makers forever. We always thought, prided ourselves on our yummy pizza. <laughs> nice. Um, but 
so when we moved here, that was kind of one of our first thoughts was like, you know, this place could be a really neat pizza farm because it, it, it was built by German farmers and they just had this really wonderful sense of place. And they built this natural courtyard of all the buildings. And then there are these big trees that flank the barn that make a wonderful space for our stage so the audience can sit in the shade and be comfortable on a hot day. Um, it's, it's, I, the, the space has a really good feel. And we're really close to Rochester. And we thought, you know, people are willing to drive an hour and a half for pizza and wait an hour to get their pizza. We could probably be really successful being this close to Rochester. So we came up with that idea really pretty early in our life on the farm. But, you know, we weren't in any position to pursue it. We just had the inkling there that kept nagging at us and we would dream about it now and then. But we did build our own wood-fired um, clay oven from clay from the farm, and it was mosaiced, and it was very small. And that's what we baked our pizza, our, our bread in for the farmers market. And we started to do pizza in there, and inviting friends over for pizza. So it started out that way, and then it grew a little bigger. We started doing potluck pizzas with maybe thirty acquaintances, people from the UU Church who were part of friends of Raj's band that he was in. And so we'd have music and then we'd make potluck pizza and they would bring all the toppings. We would make the crust and the sauce. And that was really fun. Um, so then we started to get really serious about the idea of building a kitchen to do that. Well, we, we, I contacted the health department and I said, what would we have to do to do pizza on the farm? And the health inspector said, no, you can't do that. There is no way you are doing that. I'm like, why not? They do it in Wisconsin. And he's like, you're in Minnesota. We have different rules. You're in Olmstead County. We have the strictest rules in the state. There's no way you can do it. So, but we just persisted. And, you know, we invited him and the Department of Egg inspector to come out to our farm and just kind of evaluate what it would take. Yeah. And they came out and we, we were thinking about putting it in the barn. The front of the barn had a workshop that seemed like it could be transformed into a kitchen and be a good spot. And the main, the main obstacle was that we needed to put in a new well mm -hmm. because although our water tested fine, the well was older and we didn't have any documentation that it was built. Because now you're getting into commercial yeah. codes There's and The codes service. are so restrictive. And the other one was that we would need a new septic system because oh, wow. Those the are... septic system is old and only designed for a house of three bedrooms. So that was a really huge expense right there. Sure. And then, you know, they were very negative about it. They're like, you have to submit all your plans. You have to have a public hearing. You have to get permission from everybody. And don't pound a single nail until all the paperwork is done and everything's approved. So the good thing is that my husband, Raj, is an architect. So he has designed a lot of commercial kitchens for restaurants and Oh, yeah. and Mayo Clinic and things. So he really knew what to, you know, who to go to for planning and zoning and building and safety and um, what the rules are. And he had the design skills. And so we we probably spent two years just drawing up crazy ideas for how the kitchen could be. Sure. <laughs> but we still didn't have the funds, which were going to be considerable. But taking it slowly as yeah. far as... Yeah. And in the meanwhile, we were doing the pizza nights and... People just loved it, and we were building our skills at making pizza crust. Because that's not something that comes easy, right? It's an art. 
working uh, with sourdough bread and doing wood fired baking is a little trickier yeah. than just putting it in 400 degrees. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and you're on the baking note. The baking you had been doing was on is that was that under Minnesota's Cottage Food Law. You're using it was your home pr- kitchen prior to the existence of the Cottage Food Law. Oh, gotcha. Law. Okay, but um, you could you could sell five thousand dollars of non hazardous baking at the farmers market. Okay, so the law might have changed a little bit, but it's yeah. still the opportunity, it, it, which exactly. is great. Yeah, right. yeah. So we had been doing that um, every week since the, since the first year that we moved here, baking for the farmers market. So we learned a lot doing that too, mm-hmm. and uh, experimented with a lot of recipes and yeah techniques. Yeah. So you um, you started the process. It sounded like even though there were other pizza farms around, you still needed to pioneer a lot of things or explain a lot yeah, of things. Yeah, there weren't any around here then in, oh, okay. in our part of Minnesota yeah. um, when we started. And partly because it took so long, several popped up in the meanwhile. <laughs> <laughs> so then we were worried that, that maybe we'd have too much competition and it wasn't really worth doing. But, yeah. But um, we we had some thoughts, you know, how we could make the kitchen um, pay off beyond just the pizza farm. Um, we could do weddings on the farm and serve food. We could rent the kitchen out. We could bake bread commercially. We thought that would be a really big part of what we would do. Yeah. Um, you know, so there were, and we could do classes on bread baking and other things, bring in people to teach about making Thai food or, you know, other kinds of cuisines. We had a lot of ideas for how that kitchen could bring in some revenue and cover its cost. So, uh, how long did it take then when you... You mentioned a couple of years of sort of working with your right. inspector. And it sounds like you took that advice. You didn't put any nails in anywhere or, or, <laughs> or, 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 or click go. Well, we did actually start keeping our eyes out, you know, for used equipment. Yeah. My daughter yeah, yeah. and I would go to um, restaurant auctions and buy a lot of things that we're still using that we decided they would be useful even mm-hmm. for our, our baking for the farmer's market, if nothing else. Yeah. So we, we did get a head start that way. Um so once we we got a firm plan and we vacillated really a lot because um, we were expecting to spend a hundred thousand dollars and you know ended up being quite a bit more than that I'd say with the well and the septic, yeah. but um, we didn't really have that much money to to spare. <laughs> we were sure. paying college loans for our children and stuff, so uh, we we decided to do a Kickstarter. Oh, okay, yeah, and. If we could raise money with a Kickstarter, that would really demonstrate community support and would help us get loans from the bank because we had... You'd have some capital. We'd have some capital and we'd have demonstrated support of people who were interested in it oh, yeah. and would want to be our customers. So uh, our daughter has some filmmaking schools. She whipped together a little video that we posted on the Kickstarter site. And there are different... There are different um, applications you can use other than Kickstarter, but mm-hmm. Kickstarter, we chose, they, um, if you don't meet your goal, you don't get any of the money. Nobody has to pay anything. Some of them you get to keep whatever you make. But we just thought that really demonstrated our seriousness. We didn't think we could do it if we didn't get the, our goal was $25,000. Yeah. And if we didn't get that, we weren't going to do it. And it was meant wanna, to be. Yeah. So that, w- yeah, that was kind of a test, oh, a whether it was one. meant to be or not. You're right. Yeah. So uh, so then you had your initial funding. You got a loan to cover the rest, it sounds like. Um, no, the banks would not give us a loan. Really? It was too risky of a thing for them. <laughs> so, That's comforting. Yep. They, we could not get a bank to give us a loan. And 
there were some grants out there for um, wells and for well, new wells, I think it was, but we they wouldn't give us that either. So we ended up borrowing against our retirement account, which is probably not the wisest thing. But at that point, we decided we were going to go for it. You were in. We were we were convinced it was going to be a good thing to do. Um, and so we had a budget. We had that the money from the Kickstarter, and then we had some unexpected expenses. So uh, it cost a lot more than we planned, and oh. it was. It was it was a lot harder than we expected because we ended up using credit cards and um, fortunately, so our kitchen we had planned to do in phases and just start with the bread baking, which is the bakery part, and not do any cooking that would require a range because mm-hmm. once you have a range, uh, it requires a hood and a fire suppression system, which is a really expensive aspect. But one of our farmers market customers kindly gave us this beautiful commercial range. Um, a six burner, two oven, broiler range, just lovely Vulcan range. And then we had to decide whether to try and incorporate it right away or just store it for the next phase. And we decided that it was worth trying to do right away because if we were up and running as a bakery, we'd have to stop everything to do construction and bring that in. Oh, sure, sure. So it would have been a, a big obstacle and it would open so many more possibilities with making our own sauce and having sausage and other meats on the pizza yeah. and doing catering for weddings or renting the kitchen out to other people. So we did get a, a loan from the Initiative Foundation. The Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation was willing to give us a loan because the banks wouldn't. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it all came together magically. <laughs> well, you got to put it put it out there and then see. That, uh, that makes sense. And two, it... You're talking a difference in scale, right? I mean, as far as and scale and environment of going from a potluck with your friends, where I don't say people's expectations are low, but you know, there's no pressure, right? If things right. don't work out or a batch doesn't right. work out, but did it sounds like though you found that potluck phase to be good practice? It was really good practice, and uh, it it really you know the people that would come to they were and they started out being friends and family and acquaintances of the band Raj was in that um, were mostly members of the UU church. So that we became kind of this event that those people would go to weekly. And then um, those people were also really fantastic because when we like built the stage, they would come and volunteer and help build it. Or we needed a tree taken down. They would come and help take the tree down or help us Nice. Clear buckthorn. I mean, it was. They really had a lot of ownership in our property, and they still do, and have been so good to us. They're they're wow. they're, they're kind of extended members of our farm. <laughs> so to walk into the pizza side, though, with that kind of basis support, must have it was great. It was a little tricky, though. I think in the beginning, when we transitioned into having to charge everybody for pizza, <laughs> sure, because. Um, you know, they'd been doing it for free for three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, when you were, back to what you were talking about with navigating the different regulations and not fitting the box, what advice would you give somebody interested in something like this similar situation where they, their local health inspector just doesn't know what to do with you? Um, well, now there are actually a lot of models out there. You yeah. can go and talk to them. Take this class that Renewing the Countryside offered. Yeah, on yeah there's more opportunities to totally, yeah. Um, there wasn't anything like that back when we were doing it, mm-hmm. but that would be that would have been invaluable and you know show you the 
the pros and the cons. <laughs> right, right. Because there are, I mean, it was a really risky thing for us to do and um, still is. I mean, we could still, we could still fall on our face. Oh, I mean, yeah. And there's still risks out there. Like, what if somebody were to get food poisoning, you know? It takes um, it all to a different level right. than just bringing an unhazardous uh-huh. pie to market or selling exactly. your produce in the CSA. And and people, we're, we now have hundreds of people coming to our farm every weekend, a couple hundred people yeah. every Sunday. And we're really busy baking the pizza and taking the orders. And while we weren't, aren't looking, they could get hurt. They could go in with the cows and get stepped on or knocked over or a child oh, could get bet. in a pot. I mean, there's so many dangers on a, on a farm. and and Or they could, you know something could happen to our property that there could be some damage that we would regret. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And when did you start the pizza night officially, formally? Oh, you know, we we had a, a timeline for building the, the kitchen and we did a lot of the work ourselves, but a lot of it was dependent upon electricians and plumbers, the heating the HVAC people, and then all of those things require inspections at every level. Well, our project was very small, and so a lot of times that contractor would have a bigger project mm. that was a bigger you priority were the for them. Of the pizza barrel. So yeah, we were the bottom, and we would get pushed aside, so that would delay everything. And then the next person would not come in and do it when we expected them, so that would delay everything. We had planned to start being open in June, and uh, of last of three years ago. Three years ago, okay. So, but. Um, they weren't. We weren't finished enough to get our final okay to oh. go ahead until September. Oh well, that's lost income. That was too. huge lost income. That we were. Meanwhile, we were paying on our loans and having not having the income we anticipated to pay them with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so How that was you... very stressful. Yeah, and so now, what's your pizza night schedule? When do you do them? Oh, so like the week goes by. I could give you a typical week. Yeah, because so. On Mondays is our normal baking bread for the for the co-op. So we bake be- a couple batches of bread for the co-op. Tuesdays is my CSA day, so I pack, I harvest and pack for the CSA. Wednesday is kind of my errand day and planning day and doing stuff on the computer day. Thursday, That's today. Today's Wednesday. Today. Just, just, people can pop in and oh, you got it, got it all organized. Um, go to thrift stores if I want to, or you know, do anything personal to take the dog to the vet or whatever I have to do. Um, Thursdays, um, we have a helper now who does the bread forming. On Raj, on Wednesday, Raj will start the sourdough tonight. Tomorrow, Ruth will come in and form the loaves. Um, I will do the ingredients for the pizza and, and the baking for the farmer's market. And we'll do some of the prep for, like, make the pie crust ahead or uh-huh. for the pastry crust ahead maybe make ice cream sandwiches to have ready for the for our pizza day then friday is my farmer's market baking day i bake for 15 hours typically and raj bakes in the afternoon he bakes the bread when he gets home from work at five mm. so and then he packs the car the car to take everything so we usually get to bed by midnight get up at five i make the scones because i like those to be fresh we do the market done at noon Get home, well, by one, um, take a nap in the hammock. <laughs> Saturday night's our date night, so we have a little bit of time together. Sunday, we start um, making, getting ready for pizza right away in the morning. So there's a lot of setup on the farm, um, moving chairs and tables where we want them, prepping for pizza, uh, making menus, 
Um, we do online ordering now, so we have to do a little bit of checking on that. Um, I you set mean, up pre-order, and then you get a better sense of yeah of what and... to plan for, how many yeah, people are coming, and and then I have a little gift shop, kind of antique shop on the farm, so I try and get that all set up. Um, Where your thrift store treasures go? Yeah, exactly. So and then um, the band comes and sets up, and we start at four and pump them out and pump them so up. So what what range of pizzas do you make at night, or how many tickets do you sell? Um, you know, when we first started, we were selling maybe 20 now we're doing 80 to 90 well wow. so but of those 10 are allotted for the band and the staff so mm-hmm. after we get through pizza night and the band's all done they get pizza and we pay them a little bit and we all sit down and have pizza and take a break and we're hungry so. <laughs> and, and then, then we clean do up. it all over again yeah we try to clean up um as much as possible but sometimes if it's been a big day like like this weekend, we will have two pizza days in one because we're doing a private event at one. Oh, wow. We'll do pizza for that for 100 people at one and then pizza again at four. So that's going to be a really in- intense day, but that happens a few times a year. Yeah, yeah. You've got a flow, it sounds like, of what needs to be done when. and Yeah, we've, we've developed a lot of checklists, like uh-huh. um, an inventory list of what to shop for so we can go through and see how much Parmesan do we have on hand or feta and... Um, do we, what do we need? Mushrooms? Do we have enough olives? All those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. So we have that for shopping, and then we have a checklist for the staff for you know clean the bathrooms, clean up the dog poops. We got to put out the chairs, you know, all the little things. Print the menu so we don't forget. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than people are here and like, oh, duh, we did not print the menus yet. <laughs> um, every menu is different every week because we try to incorporate that week's it's veggies. So, so like this week we had a a pizza with eggplant because we had some really beautiful eggplants. So. People are willing to try, eager to try things other than yeah. Sometimes it takes a while. Like we have a, we call it the squash blossom special because we're a squash blossom farm. We do a squash blossom pizza that's got uh, pesto on the bottom and peppers and zucchini and squash blossoms and it's a veggie. Um, And you know it was really slow at first. Like one or two people would try it. No, it's one of our biggest sellers. People once they tried it, they really liked it. Open up their palates. Terrific. Great. Thank you, Susan. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.